Hey, Lightning. Yes, sir. It is episode 132, and I am positive that we have on this show Mm -hmm. the best guest we have ever had in the history of the Truck Show podcast. That ain't true! <laughs> no. well, don't disparage our guests before we even have them on. Well, I don't know. What are you talking about? Oh, are you talking about Lawson Mollica from AEM? Yes. What makes him the best guest ever? That's uh, if if that is true. Why is he the best guest well, ever? Just you'll have to listen to the interview. We haven't done the interview yet. Oh, well, I'm assuring you <laughs> that this is going to be one of the best interviews we've ever done. Okay, so I am a fa- I shouldn't be a fan because I yeah. work at a competing company, uh-huh. but I will tell you that in all honesty, I am a fan of AEM. Uh, they make some crazy good products that you probably don't know would be useful for your truck, and we're going to delve into that on this episode. I think a lot of people probably think of them for the import. Import tuning. Yeah, yeah import tuning. But they are far from that today. Uh, especially when you're talking about LS and Coyote Motors, and we'll get into that and some of the other stuff they do. But first, we have to thank our presenting sponsor, Nissan, because if it weren't for them, this podcast wouldn't be happening. Uh, that is accurate. Without them, we would be outside Motor Trend, sitting on the curb, watching the trucks go by. I mean, that doesn't sound too bad, right? But I mean, if I'd rather the, be inside doing a podcast. Well, as I say, but if the alternative is not having Nissan, then no, it sucks. Yes. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, did you see what was outside the podcast studio door? Uh, no. I, what? No. I just walked right in here this afternoon. What? A Nissan product. Wait, how? Why did what did I walk past and not realize the roadkill Rotson? <laughs> oh well, that okay. So that's Dotson, a, Dotson, Nissan, yeah, yes. but that's Nissan. Well, I company. saw that. I was so I'm sorry. I was thinking new. I as was if thinking, they were unveiling something. I was thinking the car gods had blessed our podcast tonight by putting a Nissan product right outside our studio door. Do people know what the Rotson is? Uh, they should. If you ever watch Roadkill, I think you absolutely know what the Rotson is. What year is that Dotson? I don't know actually. So I, it's, it's an '80s, right? It's it's ugly. That's all I know. And it has yeah. a big engine, and you should go watch Roadkill. The Kill turbo Park. is sticking all the way out of the engine like in space. Yeah, we should take a picture of uh, of us in front of it because it'll make, uh, will it make us look good or will we make it look good? No, it'll make, anything makes us look better than we already do. Yeah, that's true. Especially when I'm what rocking, is, have you seen my hair lately? Yeah, it's awful. Do you think that uh, the Rodson still has the five-year, 100,000-mile warranty on it? I have a feeling... <laughs> It's it's long or, since passed. Or maybe it's uh, Freiburger is who you take it to for warranty work. I don't think he'd want to touch it. Uh, he's probably, yeah, they're probably over that it's thing It's a right pretty now, right? cool, so it's one of those vehicles that you think is like, oh, that'd be so much fun to drive, and maybe, but you wouldn't like No, but right you now. see it in person, and you're like, yeah. icky. It's a little icky. Um, they made Hot Wheel of that thing. Did you see that? That's pretty cool. So I will say that you would want it parked in your driveway at your house. Because, because all the neighborhood kids would think you're the coolest thing ever. all over Unless it. you're in a homeowner's association. And then they would uh, sue you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but they wouldn't sue you if you had a shiny brand new Nissan Titan, Titan XD, or Nissan Frontier no, they in would, your driveway. Uh, they would take money off your CCNRs. That's right. They would uh, embrace you for having uh, not the Rotson in your driveway. That's true. No, they'd come by and they would uh, they would feel that supple leather that's covering those zero gravity seats. What are they doing inside my truck? Uh, they're just making sure that uh, you're legit and uh, high enough class for the neighborhood. And when you have Platinum Reserve yeah. and that you know dark chrome all uh, splattered about it, it's, it's going to match. And uh, you know, and it's going to raise property values. <laughs> <laughs> having wait, hold on a second. Yeah, are you seriously drawing that? that yeah, correlation? yeah, yeah. Having so, a Nissan Titan or a Frontier in uh, your driveway uh-huh, will uh-huh. raise your property values, and that's why you should head over to Nissan USA and pick out the truck of your dreams and bring it home. And uh, enjoy at least 20, 30% higher values for your home. 
Is that in the fine print of the contract uh, I think when I you, buy the Titan? I think you have to sell your house with it to get the, uh, the extra value. Though. I see. Gotcha. Okay. So using that logic, will having a deck system in the back of my Nissan uh, Titan or Frontier also increase my property value? Uh, yeah, because you can uh, take all of those notes that your uh, nosy neighbor has left on your door about not parking <laughs> in your garage uh-huh. and shove them in the deck system out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's made for things that are a little more uh, the heavy. Robust? And, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not just paper. Well, I can't wait to talk about the new deck product that's on the way. I think Greg is going to come in a couple episodes. I think okay. we've been talking to him. Uh, you got the email this week. I did. We are supposed to go in the video. tour their facility, and the video is cool. Dude, the yes. video is very cool. I don't. When we can talk about it in a couple uh, of weeks. I think. Then, right? uh, I think somewhere around episode one thirty four or five. I think. Can I? We... Can I? Would it be too much of a stretch to tell them that if they are in the construction industry this will be a this is a must have uh, I think it would be too much to tell them that you can climb on it oh that's a good one you right? can definitely climb on it yeah yeah you can also uh, beat on it yeah uh, drop it yeah flood it kick it uh-huh drive into it mm-hmm. uh, if you own a truck you're definitely going to want to check this out it is probably one of the coolest uh, more innovative products in the space they took a traditional product and decorized it Decorized uh-huh. it or yeah. decorated it, <laughs> decorated yes, <laughs> and made it even better. Yeah, you know, cinder blocks can't even make no, it, can't make no. a dent in this. Five hundred pounds of weights and then drop it, no problem, no problem. So if you're looking for a cargo storage solution for your truck or van, you're gonna want to check out our friends over at Decked. And on that note, let's start the show. The truck show. We're gonna show you what we know. We're gonna answer what the truck. The truck show. We have the lifted, we have the lowered, and everything in between. We'll talk about trucks that run on diesel and the ones that run on gasoline. The truck show, the truck show, the truck show. It's the truck show with your hosts, Lightning and Holman. Holman, I'm curious uh, regarding our next guest, Lawson Mullica from AEM. Have you run any AEM equipment on any of your uh, cars, trucks, no, but I'm, motorcycles? I'm familiar with them. And uh, in fact, for guys doing uh, LS swaps and mm-hmm. coyote swaps and things like that. Yeah, but the, I mean, those swaps are few and far between. Oh, no, wait. they're not. <laughs> uh, by the way, they make a full standalone engine ECU system. Mm-hmm. And I figured we, uh, we'd give uh, Lawson, my buddy, a call and uh, talk to him about all the different stuff they offer these days. Now, you guys really, you always say my buddy. Yeah. Just like I say my buddy. Is he really your buddy? He was the best man at my wedding. Oh, snap. <laughs> so. Burn on me. I, I didn't know. <laughs> okay. All right, let's give him a call. All right. Hello. Hello, hello. Is this Lawson Mollica from AEM? Yes, sir, it is. This is Lightning and Holman from the Truck Show Podcast. How you doing? Doing great. How are you? We are outstanding. We've got to play a quick intro. Wait, so shouldn't you verify the information I just gave you? First? Oh, I'm going to. I'm going okay, to. First, right. I'm going to play the intro, and then we'll come back, and, we'll, uh, <laughs> and I'll check his credentials. Okay, Hold good. on one second. Welcome to the parts department. Screw, nut, filter, oil, grill, tools, wheels, tires, brakes, lights, Ears, bells. And your wife warns you not to. Don't you spend our money? 
and then you want to come back. Now, Lawson Holman here tells me that you were the best man at his wedding. Now, first off, well, which well, wedding? <laughs> and Well, let's hold on. We should qualify that because mm-hmm. you said, oh, Holman, you say everybody's your buddy and your friend who comes on the show. Every guy that's ever raced Baja is your buddy. So yeah, it's a tight I, community. Yeah, not that tight. So he's like, oh, so uh, is Lawson really your friend? And I'm like, uh, he's the best man at my wedding. He's like, oh, okay, damn. <laughs> yeah, damn, burn <laughs> on me. <laughs> yeah, it was the second wedding, and I have not raced Baja. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, you're in the elite club of uh, thousands of people who uh, Holman considers friends. What I uh, <laughs> the elite sphere of uh, influence. Yeah. Uh, what I find interesting is uh, Lawson works for uh, an electronics company. And you know the old saying about the smoke test, right? The smoke comes out and the test is complete. Uh, I have seen smoke rise from uh, uh, from Lawson many, many times of, as we have devoured uh, cigar after cigar, uh, either on my porch or in his backyard. I don't think that's what they meant by smoke, right? Oh, that's different yeah, than electronics very, burning yeah, up? Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. I just... You know what? It's different than a capacitor smoldering, <laughs> right? <laughs> I feel like Lawson. We should we should rewind the clock a little bit and and find out because I I think most of our listeners have heard of AEM whether they've interacted with the company or they have a buddy that's used an AEM ECM or fuel management or I mean you guys make so many parts to the extent that the company that I work for Banks we make parts that interface with yours because yours are so ubiquitous so yeah, and, I think that uh, says a lot. Right there. Yeah. Well, so yeah, let's yeah. Uh, let's rewind the clock and tell us first off what do you do there, and then what do you know about the history of the company? I am the marketing guy. My title is um, the director of marketing and public public relations. Um, AEM is uh, we're we're, I don't, we're we're not a super old company, but we're certainly not new. Um, we've been around since 1987. Our founder uh, John Concialdi, uh, prior to to founding the company, he was the he ran the R and D department for Redline Distributors, which uh, they were the exclusive distributor for Weber carburetors. So he did all the high performance carburetor development and touched all kinds of really really cool vehicles, including trucks. Uh, he did the development on the old uh, Ivan Stewart Stadium carburetors, uh, the trucks that they ran in that series. When the owner sold Redline, he broke off. And uh, AEM stores opened uh, in October 19th, I think the day the Whittier Narrows earthquake hit. So, you know, we kind of joke, we say we opened the doors in Rock Southern California. But um, (laughs) we we started out, uh, John started out as a tuning and doing some light fabrication, things like that, or some heavy fabrication. But uh, really was always interested in the fueling side of cars and the tuning side. And he, uh, he developed... Uh, a few parts along the way, and and we sort of fell into. I know a lot of people think of us as, as you know being an import company, and, and I'm for glad a while, that you, yeah, really, I'm glad that you said that, yeah. Austin, because that's how I I was doing. Holman and I were doing tuner cars back in the late '80s, early '90s. You know, the whole Fast mm-hmm. and the Furious thing. And I think that's where most of us were introduced to AEM, but yep. that's not really the roots. It just happened to be kind of, you guys were at the right place at the right time. Well, and that or- was the scene in, in you know the enthusiast world that was really taking off at kind of the same time AEM was coming into its own and had a need for, uh, for electronics. And we should probably get it out of the way too, Lawson, that AEM Electronics is now a different company and has been for several years than AEM Intakes, which you were a part of at one point that a lot of truck people may be familiar with, and we should probably uh, let them know kind of the differences there now. 
I've pounded turf all over this country when we launched the brute force intake line. In fact, that's how you and I met back yeah. in what two thousand and three. Yeah, two thousand three. Yeah, somewhere in there. With so, the uh, dry flow uh, filter uh, element that everybody thought was bunk, and the big uh, the big companies tried to come after you, and you guys had all the science behind it showing dry filter was the way to go. And still to this day, dry filters are a huge part of the uh, the automotive aftermarket. Yeah, the media that we that, that JC discovered and we, we manipulated and turned into like a high flow filtration media that didn't require you know that wasn't layered cotton gauze and uh, you know we had we had sourced filters back when we were starting to make intakes from K and N and then uh, they decided to get into the import side of things so we decided to make our own cotton gauze filters and we're always looking for something you know the, the thing about AEM. Um, again, before I step back and, and sort of share a little bit more of the history and how we fell into the import side, but, you know, we've always been an, an evolutionary type of a company where we we do our best to develop and bring to market the best possible product, but we also listen to our customers. So when we get feedback and, and our customers say, you know, it'd be really great if this did this or had this feature or something, we, we, we take a hard look at that. And we, if there's a lot of value there. We're not afraid to go back and test and redevelop and redesign, sometimes even retool to then come out with something and, and that's better than what we originally No, no, no. See, see Lawson, that's where you got it. Now, that's where you got it all wrong. You're supposed to say, no, 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 no. We know better. We don't care what you think. We're going to make the hot lick. And you just got to follow our lead. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Just kick rocks yeah. if you don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. right? Oh, wait. No, that, yeah, that doesn't work. Yeah. And not, you know as well as I do, not in this market. You have to be flexible. <laughs> right. You got to listen to the customers. I mean, the beauty of the automotive aftermarket and performance and racing is uh, is there there really isn't that much of a roadmap. I mean, it's it's people are constantly pushing boundaries, breaking stuff, looking for something that's better. and. And that's really what we've tied ourselves to is, is trying to develop products that are either really, really unique or universal or more importantly, like taking that unobtainium stuff and figuring out a way to make it and make it cost less and deliver at least what's out there, if not maybe a little bit more, but, but you're not spending, you know, you're not breaking the bank on it. Uh, a lot of times we kind of hit the mark. I mean, a lot of people uh, in the domestic, and I'm sure the truck side knows for a wideband technology. Um, when we release a wideband gauge controller, it didn't exist. And at that time, if you look at where wideband, uh, you know, Lambda air fuel ratio controllers were being used, they were typically like a Hariba or a Motec. They were thousands of dollars and they sat right next to a dynamometer. But the controllers were uh, few and far between. They were usually in a shop at a dyno, and you use that for your air fuel ratio, you know, to, to monitor air fuel ratio. I mean, this was even really before closed loop tuning was, was or what, what like guys that have like quote auto tuning and, and stuff, the FI systems that'll sort of correct uh, on, on a closed loop where it's targeting an air fuel ratio and then it's making adjustments to the fueling and the timing according to try to hit that target. Like that stuff didn't really exist. So you, you took a rip and you, you looked at the log and you looked at, at some of the various inputs, you know, RPM and throttle and fuel and, and everything. And then you took a look at that lambda ratio and then you would make adjustments to your timing or your fueling accordingly to achieve a desired air fuel ratio. And we 
we're getting ready to launch our, our very first generation standalone engine management system. So, you know, it'd be really cool if we could make wide bands that you could actually put on a car. So we did. We made a single and a, two, and a dual channel. One of our engineers just threw it out there and said, wouldn't it be really cool if we could put like a gauge interface on it so while you're tuning the car, you could actually see the air fuel ratio. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. We weren't a gauge company. Isn't that amazing that that's how that stuff happens, though, is it's just somebody sitting around a table and has a problem, and they go, you know, wouldn't it be a great solution if if we just did this, and then everybody goes, huh, I wonder why it didn't happen before you guys, because it had been an issue prior to that. Like you said, you took a rip down on the dyno, and you'd have to go back to the yeah. logs and see and follow the graph. Or the, but there's know. no real-time data coming in right. like that. Well, I think I'll tell you exactly why. Because we were a young, aggressive company, and we, we were still young enough and uh, for, I guess, sometimes foolish enough to make stuff just because it seemed like a really good idea. And, and you didn't cool. know that you couldn't. That's the yeah, thing. Yeah, I we love it. Do it. Yeah, no, yeah and, and that was it. And, and so there wasn't a protocol. We didn't have to... You know, come up with a big business plan and sell it to the to the board. We just went. You know what? It'd be cool. Yeah, let's do that. And and it got us in trouble. If you you know sometimes, but more often than not, it, it really worked out, especially in those young days. And we ended up coming out with you know it was like our first standalone engine management system. What was the you know for us? We looked at that market and went, what you know what is the biggest barrier to entry on a car if you're taking it into a racing you know if you're going to convert it and make it aggressive or you're taking a naturally aspirated car and you're going to turbocharge it like where's the weak link it was always in the harness because at the time there weren't a whole lot of really quality guys that were making bespoke harnesses for standalone they they existed but they were few and far between and it was typically more than the ecu to make a really good harness so we thought well what if we made a standalone engine management, but you could just plug it into the factory wiring harness? And that was our first two iterations of standalone engine management. How dare you things. think you could innovate in a space that hadn't had any innovation? <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, thanks. Yeah, right. Shame on us. So, um, so that's the kind of stuff we did. And it was fun. Like, it, And it still is. You know, I like to say um, we're not a huge company. Uh, we're, we're, we're a mature company. We're, we're a bunch of guys that have worked together for a long time. I've been there nearly 20 years, and most of the guys I work with have been there 14 years or longer, well over half of the company. Now, you and, can't and be too that, mature. Hold on. Hold, which is hold, amazing. You can't be too mature because you know Holman. No, I'm yeah, just of saying. course. No, no, no. no, no, no. I to mellow me out. The company's mature. I, I'm a childish idiot. <laughs> 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 the very mature. So uh, let's let's stay on the uh, the wideband O2 sensor for a second and and your gauge. Yeah. What kind? What was the response when you launched that? Was it slow to take uh, hold, or was it instantly like you had tuners coming out of the woodwork going, "You got to be kidding me! Really with this? This is amazing!" Or yeah, were they coming out of the woodwork saying, "Come on with your come on"? Yeah, were they? <laughs> the, wide, the, the wideband part of things went exceedingly well exceeded our expectations how much education was required or did guys already know what it was did you have to say this is a new way of displaying data and educate or was it like holy crap that's exactly what we needed all this time we were at that point in the market where you know there was uh, some narrow band stuff out there which of course was just doing the night rider right to left you know rich lean rich lean and nobody really um 
when we launched that, the guys that knew, they got it right away. You know, we put in zero to five analog and a serial connector and stuff so guys could link that to their ECUs and pull that data and put it in the ECU logs and look at it in, in the scope of everything. And they got it. But what was neat was this was right around the Fast and Furious time and we had developed a, uh, a, a kind of a, a cult following with Honda and Mitsubishi and Toyota because of our air induction side. And now we made a gauge and everybody wanted one because it was, a, it was an AM gauge and it was a wide band. And, you know, we made it and we went, Oh crap, we got to make a bunch of gauges now. So that's, <laughs> that's really how we got into the gauge business. It was, we, we couldn't have somebody out there with our wide band and a bunch of other gauges that didn't match. People started asking like, when are you going to make a pressure gauge? When are you going to do temp? Um, on the gauge side and, and in particular the wide band side, it was gangbusters. It's, uh, I don't think I need to tell you guys. Uh, there's a lot of different iterations of wideband gauges out there. We, we like to say, you know, imitation is a sincerest form of flattery, right? Um, if you do something really well, people are going to want to try to take that idea and, and, and capitalize on it, too. Uh, we still make the best. We, you know, we, we innovated a few years ago and made a faster one. Uh, added, you know, CAN bus uh, connectivity. So now you can actually pull that data in via CAN bus in addition to a zero to five. Uh, I think we still use an RS-232 serial or at least have the wiring for it, but I don't know how many people are, are using serial anymore. Um, but more importantly, we, you know, we, we spent a lot of time and developed a, a digital technology that we were able to get a patent on. And that and then sent it out and had a bunch of independent testing done on it, uh, both like laboratory testing, like guys that do tests for uh, court cases and stuff like that. I'm sorry, don't you mean laboratory? Party. Laboratory on the show. We, the uh, laboratory. I don't yeah. think we've ever yeah. said laboratory. No, what's no the, we have. What's the patent on? Because I, I don't understand. Uh, it's on uh, mounting your parameters. It, oh, is that true? Yeah, that's what the patent's on. I just totally stopped Lawson with a mounted parameters. <laughs> How could you oh, not? Okay. He's... <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm going to throw in a yeah, buddy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey. Hashtag yeah, buddy. I'm not uh, giving you Emmy until later in the show, right? <laughs> you, have to, you have to earn uh, Emmy. I will, I will wait for Emmy. She's the OG. Um, yeah, just side note, huge, huge fan of the show. Uh, I, you know, sorry, Sean. Sorry, Lightning. I... I was slow to, I, I didn't podcast and Sean's like, I'm doing this. And I heard snippets of it while we were hanging out, smoking cigars and things like that. And it was the SEMA after you guys, like, I don't even know how you made it home. We need to show every day at SEMA. Yeah. And I started listening to those episodes driving into the SEMA after. And I was hooked. I, I it was, I went straight back to the very, well, the second one, because I'd listened to the first, and then I went all the way through until I was caught up. And you guys were the only podcast I listened to for wow. probably two thank months. You, uh, yeah. Thank you very much. But I that makes your taste suspect, because first, <laughs> Holman, best man thing, you know yeah. what I mean? And then you listen to our podcast? No, that means I have good taste. You have good yeah, but, taste, but, but it's, it's, I think Lawson it's, it's is, I don't know, he's it, it shaking. It took me like a year to get there. Right, okay. <laughs> he had to warm up to us. I, I did not bandwagon. And, and, you know, and I, and I watched the suckage meter go from pinned back, you know. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Level. Okay. No, no, just messing with you. You guys are, you do a great job and super entertaining, and I love it. I'm a fan. I'll just leave it at that. That's very generous of you. Thank um, you. 
back to the, the product stuff, what was funny about it was the standalone thing. It was we had now made uh, standalone engine management so accessible that guys were putting it on their car and then calling us and going, hey, I installed this and nothing happened and my car won't run. So that's where we realized, oh, man, we, we're going to need to educate the market on what this thing actually does and how you need to utilize it. Well, Lawson, and- what, was around, what was around before you? Because before AEM, there were, there were ECMs. Like you could buy one. You could buy a Bosch. Yeah. You could buy whatever, right? But they were incredibly uh, well, cumbersome, and they weren't designed for really know, a consumer to go consumer in. Consumer tuners, and, yeah, right. exactly. No, no, you had, on the high end, you had Motec, which Motec makes and continues to make a very good ECU, and they're really proud of it, and you can see that in their price point. And, um, <laughs> and then you have, uh, and then you have like, Electromotive, and you had Excel DFI. I don't even know if you remember Excel DFI, but what a lot of guys, what the hard, hardcore guys were doing were they were piggybacking things on, so... Um, I need more airflow, so I'll buy an air fuel controller. Oh, I got a control boost, so I'm going to add a boost controller. Well, now I need I need if I'm if I'm going to increase spark and advanced timing. Now I need like an MSD seven AL. See, that's just yeah, that's all getting ugly. Yeah, yeah. So the next thing you know, you've got this you know just gaggle of independent controllers up underneath your dash or under your hood. And they're all sort of serving their own function, but none of them are talking to one another. If something goes wrong with one, you're blowing up the engine because the rest of your stuff has no idea. It's just programmed to do one specific thing without any feedback from it, anything else. And um, so for, you know, for the racing guys, like they got it right away. We just took something that, that was costing, that, that was unobtainable to them and made it attainable. And, uh, and then the rest of the people wanted just, wanted it because it was killer and it was that was that was the scene you know you had fast and furious and you had uh this, this explosion of this youth culture and market like what you guys are talking about i mean how many hand-me-downs uh hondas were in and toyotas and and mitsings were out there that parents thought they were handing their kid a grocery get her what they didn't realize was you crack open that engine and there was like cart racing technology built into these little one six and one eight engines I mean, I have a question, and I think, I don't know if I've asked this on the show before. Can you buy today a CRX SI? I don't know that I have not, not seen not one. new, but you can buy a used market. No, what I'm saying is, I went on. This is probably about six, seven years ago. I went on a hunt to try to find one. They either had uh, like the interior was stripped out, and they had a cage. No, you, and they you can, they're expensive though, like, but you, you can find them. So my wife has told me. That if I ever find a uh, CRX SI or a Hatchy mm-hmm. of that generation, to buy it. that th- that will be her project. But what car. I'm saying is, is those vehicles at that time all nice. were so good. Yeah, they all got turned mm-hmm. into race cars. Like everyone figured it out, whether it was right at that time or shortly thereafter, they were all gone. Like they just, you just can't find them anymore. Uh, or they're really expensive. Yeah. The clean ones are expensive. And then there's all the B, you know, B16, B18 swaps. How did you keep AEM from getting pigeonholed into that scene? Because you're doing stuff for trucks, you're doing stuff for exotics, you're doing stuff for, I mean, you name it. You guys had a solution for it. You still do. Were you worried about being pigeonholed? Because, yeah, you were making a lot of money selling this stuff, but you could have easily become the import brand and the import brand only. 
Yes, absolutely right. And one of the things we've done is, um, look, we're never gonna we're never gonna say, look, we don't love imports. Of course we do. And and if it wasn't for that part of the segment, we wouldn't have experienced the rapid growth that, that allowed us to do so many more things and go in so many other directions. And uh, but at the same time, uh, uh, prior to that, we were doing all kinds of stuff. I mean, at any given time in the early days of AEM, you have, you know, Ford GTs, Ferraris, Lamborghinis, you had off-road racing stuff. Uh, Chenna would, would uh, ran all this Baja stuff through, uh, through AEM. We launched the brute force line and the HD line of induction systems when we still had that line before we sold it in 2009. And that allowed us to go out and and really expand AEM presence in the brand into the domestic market and and on the truck side of it and we did very very good it took us you know unlike the the import side where we were kind of the first with with the cold air design you know we were not the first air induction system to the truck side and as sean will tell you like we weren't initially warmly received there was a lot of of proving ourselves and being a lot of reluctance wherever yeah there was a lot and, of reluctance and wariness um, everybody K&N was the the uh, filter media company at the time period Barna and there were a couple other little players but they weren't were making out. intakes like they were making just the filter elements that's well, what they, they but for. then they got into I intakes. understand that I, I know that intimately but they haven't done a great job of it I mean, they are the behemoth when it comes to the filter element, but they it seems like they can't seem to get it together when it comes to... Well, I don't know. Their FIPIC stuff was pretty good, and I think the major thing, at least in the early 2000s as a, as a magazine guy, was these guys, we know them for the import market, right? And we know them for those parts, and they're coming in saying they've got this truck product that has this magic you know, filter media that requires no oil... And no pre-filter. No, I'm talking about K&N. I wasn't talking about No, 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 no. But I'm saying that as a yeah. magazine guy back in the day, K&N, that's, that's what we used on everything. And their FIPIC stuff was great. That, that, those were good intakes. They made power. But there was starting to be, especially in the diesel market, they were requiring or, or re- saying if you're in a dusty environment to use the, uh, the, the pre-filters on them, right. the screens, because people were finding fine dust particle on the inside the turbo. of the throttle body yeah. and, the, and the turbo on, on trucks. And so that was a big well, marketing thing for them. And all of a sudden, AEM comes in and goes, we have a better filter element. And everybody went, what? Are you sure? Yeah. yeah they go, oh, snake yeah. oil. It's yeah, not exactly. real. Right, yeah. Prove it, right. And well, and, and on top of that, the other thing that, that helped us on the diesel side, because I do think we, we got acceptance with the induction stuff on the diesel side more quickly with the dry media because there were a lot of uh, warranties that were being voided, not because people were putting the K&N filters in, but because they were over-oiling them. Right. And when you over-oil a filter, the oil is going to travel. I mean, it's a, it's a big, it's a diesel. It's, it, it pulls hard and it pulls a lot of air. And it was also pulling in that over oil and it was screwing up uh, mass airflow sensors. So uh, obviously that media eliminated that, that factor. And, uh, and so that got, us, that got us a lot of uh, positive attention on the diesel side. And I think once the, you know, as, as, like we say, you know, as, as the race guys go, a lot, of, a lot of show car guys and stuff tend to take their cues from that side. I mean, when you look at high performance, yeah, there's a lot of cool high performance trucks out there, but diesel guys are really pushing the envelope. So if, if the AM was okay for the diesel guy, then it started, we started getting a look on the, on the Vortex and the Fords and, 
and everybody else started taking a harder look at us, which was pretty cool and helped. And I think that that exposed them to the electronic side and we started to gain a little bit more acceptance. And, and really now, I mean, that's the beauty of what we do. Most of what we do is that, you know, short of our standalone stuff, the follow specific timing patterns or that we've developed, um, you know, more application specific, uh, base mapping for like our gauge is a gauge, a fuel pumps, a fuel pump and adjustable fuel pressure regulator is going to work the same on a four cylinder as it is on a, you know, on a V8 and same thing with our digital dash. Like our stuff is going to work. It's going to provide a solution for you. If you're looking to solve a problem when it comes to data acquisition, data visualization, data, uh, you know, logging fuel delivery, uh, you know, affordable high performance ignition stuff. like. So that's what we've done. It's just, uh, is slowly and methodically prodded out, beyond our comfort zone into areas and proving ourselves and, and we're doing okay were you going to diesel events back in the day or was it uh yeah, were they, oh, yeah. okay they're uh they're yeah, everywhere we're, <clears throat> we were all over the place i was doing the entire four-wheel jamboree series and every local truck event i was doing trucking nationals in vegas and arizona uh i was i was putting uh, a lot of miles through the air, and then just driving to everything local. The reason and, uh, I ask, Lawson, is is because sometimes a product yeah. will come out, and the fan it'll it'll take a foothold with with the fans, and they'll spread mm-hmm. it. So, I'm guessing you've yeah. had some successes with that. Other than like the Wideband O2, where it just blossomed on its own, have there been any other products in the AEM portfolio that just you didn't even really need to market? They kind of did it because the fans found it. Uh, water methanol injection ah. it's been kind of one of those things and uh that is you know if you have a turbocharged application i don't need to tell you you're familiar with water methanol it's uh it, it has a lot of really amazing benefits on forced induction applications when it comes to you know reduction of intake temps egts uh the ability to tune and and make more power uh, and and also on you know on diesel applications uh, reduce a little bit of soot in the process. So, sure, yeah, um, cools and know, makes power. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those quiet things that that racers and guys that uh, you know that are that are competing with force induction on both sides, you know, both the diesel and the and the high performance side uh, on gas. Uh, water meth is is pretty cool. We even years ago. Uh, was that like 2013? We introduced a 50-state legal water injection system. We got carbon exemption on it, but I think it was ahead of its time. Uh, it didn't sell well. It was really cool, and it was completely legal, and it had an EO. So it was it was a street kit, but uh, but we didn't sell enough to keep making them. <laughs> I don't think water method is kind of a weird beast because we I, I talk about it with customers all the time and. There are yeah. guys that want it and demand it, but I would say 95% don't know what it is, don't know how they would use it. Well, I it. think the biggest knock on it is uh, having another fluid with the vehicle, right? I think sure. that, especially on a modern diesel, you already have to add DEF. Oh, now I got to add water mouth. But the people who understand it and they need to get those temps down uh, from the engine side, mm-hmm. it's it's a great way to make power and cool things off. And um, I think that it's one of those things where it's like, if you know, you know. Right. And everybody else is sort of an educational system. I mean, we should probably have a, an episode 
that is power adders that aren't turbos and superchargers and stuff like that. You know, maybe talk about theory of water meth and some of those water things. Water meth and nitrous cool. and, yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. Kind of interesting you know what's funny people. is there are groups of, of like fans, uh, different areas of motorsport that are into water meth. Like I discovered that the Mercedes guys, like the AMG guys, are totally into water meth. Yeah. Like I didn't yeah. know. The Germans, and, the Germans are big, big mm-hmm. time on that. Yeah, and as, as a matter of fact, there's a 3 Series. I want to say one of the M3s. Maybe it's not an M Series car, but it's got water meth from the factory. So, But that system, you're still doing well with it, and who's the primary market for that kit or kits? Uh, kits, uh, we, we sell a lot of gasoline kits. Uh, see it a lot in uh, where it's legal in sanctioned racing, like uh, certain road racing type circuits. Time attack is huge. Uh, drifting, believe it or not, they don't put it. They're not allowed to inject into the engine, but they love putting it across the intercooler and spraying water because it, it can drop temps across the intercooler, which will give them you know a net a net drop in inlet temps. And yeah, you could do it across uh, brake rotors as well. <laughs> no, you can. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, remember when, I know. It's just, it's just funny. Well, because remember when Gail had the Freightliner yeah. and he- uh, Yeah, the Cascadia. He, yeah, Cascadia, and he did the, the Pikes Peak run, yeah. and they, they misted the intercoolers, and they also and they misted, misted the, the brakes. brakes. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, Gail's amazing. So, <laughs> let me ask you this. Oh, real, real quick, let me yeah. interrupt. Just for sh- uh, mm-hmm. and giggles. Uh, now Lightning's yeah. looking at me because now he has to bleep that. He's like, you son now of a bleep. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, for, I found online an 89 Honda CRX SI five-speed, exactly what you'd want. Okay. 42,000 original miles. Can I guess how much? Cle- yeah, clear Carfax. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been registered to three owners in three states. No body damage, no accidents. Guess how much uh, it's going for in this auction. Ends in 16 hours. 89, you said. 89 SI, silver over gray, 42,000 original miles, uh, 1.6 liter, inline four, single overhead cam, five-seat manual. It's got the 14-inch alloys, the front disc brakes, and, and, and might I add, a Pioneer CD player. Of course it does, yeah. Yeah, the factory I... radio sucks. <laughs> Although they were Alpine. They yeah. just weren't Well, great. there's no bass. There's absolutely yeah, no bass on no, the No, no, nothing. I, put, I must have dropped, oh my God, every guy I knew in high school, because that was the year, I must have put in... 20 sets of <laughs> dual 12s. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Pile driver, 10, uh, 12 W44s, right? Yeah, yep. uh, uh, Man, okay. Are we so, guessing? What yeah, are we I'm doing gonna here? Guess. I'm going to guess. I'm going right, to right. guess. I'm going to say this car because it's got clean, clean interior, no tears. Uh, 12,000. Lawson, any guesses from you? Um, I would say around that. I'll, I'll go a little lower. I'll go 10. 16,000. No! <laughs> well, I, I happen to be sitting in front of my laptop right now, and I just found you one in Irvine. Okay. With 30, unmolested stock, 89, manual track, yeah. of course, uh, AC, sunroof, yeah. all the stuff, and see, oh, except except for the Pioneer audio head unit. <laughs> of course, they all had Pioneers. Okay. Uh, so uh, everything else, no cracks on the dash, Irvine. Thirty-nine thousand eight hundred sixty-nine miles for seven thousand. I'm in. I'll literally send me that link. I swear to God, I just texted my wife (laughs) this link, and my wife and I we have a pretty decent sized house, and we just got an estimate to do the roof, and the roof is going to be over twenty thousand dollars. And we're looking at each other, going, "Holy f!" Right? So screw the roof, just buy a CRX. So I send this link to my wife. She literally just texted me back. Let me read it. Let me read it, just so I know it's legit. Read this right here. I'm gonna. Oh, I got to move my mic over here. We. <laughs> it says, I quote from his lovely wife, who is lovely, 
We need that more than we need a roof. <laughs> yes. Oh, you have the, the greatest wife ever. Um, if you send me one for $7,000, she may go buy it. So shoot me that link because uh, if oh, I send that to her, it might be over. I just got it. I just got it. Wait, what color did you say it was, Lawson? Silver. It's silver. Why are all these coming up? Yours was silver too. Yeah, silver right? also. Oh, and this one's got less miles, and it's local. Dude, my buddy had and a fly local. yellow one. This is back in 89, and he rolled oh, it six excellent. times How? on the 57 freeway. Racing. What do you think? Everyone raced on. <laughs> oh, my God. I had a I had a, a Honda Civic SI, a 2000, and I had a bunch of uh, Integra Type R suspension bits on it. Oh, wow. And so it was a total sleeper. Oh, RSR exhaust, CompTech icebox. Can I ask DC, you guys why they had, I had a rough time. So he gave me the keys a couple times, and this was before the rolling. And I, I had a rough time with the clutch because I've never experienced such a light clutch before. There was almost no resistance. You like, know what? The, that's the thing about the Honda clutch. It was it's almost telepathic. Yeah. The, the shifting is like a snick, snick. Like you barely touch the clutch yeah. pedal, and it just goes like magic. I've never to this day, and I've been driving all sorts of vehicles for 20 years. And it was the same way in the NSX. My oh, buddy, the NSX was, a, NSX. A gorgeous, mm-hmm. was an amazing car. Yeah. That today, even, even and, and people will say that the NSX is underpowered, but it's not. It's very balanced. In fact, uh, I believe it had Yokohama tires, balanced. and they were yeah. made yeah. specific to each corner. You could not rotate them. Each corner has a specific tire. Very expensive, uh, all aluminum body, but it was the same way with that. And it's just that the way a Honda shifter felt, nothing, there is no car on the planet that is as beautifully feeling yeah. as a Honda shifter, as a Honda five-speed. I second that. I no, mean, it's it, amazing. It, it, it's magical, yeah. Once you figure out how light the clutch pedal is, they're such a blast to drive because you don't have to even think about it. What Sean said, you don't have to think about the shift. Like It just it, it just starts to become a, a, a part of the fluidity of the whole experience. It's, it's, like, really an, it's like having another appendage. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, they perfected it. Those cars and Honda with manual trans, they, they made it so fun to drive. And uh, fun, fun, fun little side story. We had a racing team in house in the early 2000s, and we had a, a real, a real, real drive pro Civic. It was a pro stock chassis that we we built a Honda Civic body around, and then powered it with a twin turbo methanol powered uh, NSX motors three of course you did three and a half liters so yeah and it made uh, in real life I think we could get probably 17-ish hundred horsepower out of it but we claimed like 13 and um, it was a beast and um, we had extra bullets obviously and, and the motors were so well built and John Concioldi, our founder, had an NSX, and one of those non-methanol-powered versions found its way into his NSX. <laughs> he used to scare the holy hell out of me going to lunch in that thing. Um, they, you would talk about overpowered NSX. Uh, it was a monster. <laughs> that, and, that chassis was just he, beautiful, though. Yeah, yeah, it was. He sold that car and regretted it. Never, uh, ne- to this day, said he never should have sold that car. Holman, are you... Are you buying this car? Uh, I literally... <laughs> Don't tell me you're getting cold I, feet. I, no, no, I forwarded it to uh, <laughs> that link that Lawson just sent me to uh, to my wife. And uh, and she says... Um, <laughs> I said, look, this one's half the price. And she goes, damn. And I go, and way less mileage. Damn. And she goes, ah, we need a roof. Or a bathroom. And, <laughs> and we've been. she's been talking about she wants AC, and we don't have AC in our house. And I said, 
it has cold AC so we can cross that off the list. We'll just sit in it on hot days. And she gave me the uh, the face that has just the slits for the eyes and the straight mouth. Oh. And uh, she goes, and where would we put it? I go, the small side of the garage. We can do this. <laughs> we'll take up any room. Oh. You've got to do it. In the house. Dude, I'm... No, you, you've got a good argument. Cold AC inside of the house, right? Yeah, yeah and if you don't want to spend, uh, you don't want to put uh, you know, miles on uh, any of the other cars, You just you, that's the commuter. Yeah. I mean, come on, mm-hmm. see her, uh, see her, uh, see her XSI. Pressure's on. I know. We'll see. We'll see what I she see says. The picture is super clean. It is so. clean. All right, Lawson, let's talk yeah. trucks for a minute. So, guys got, sure. uh, I don't know, let's say early 70s. What? No, 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 how about a 60, 60, 20? And he wants to do an LS swap. Well, okay, sure. I'm not saying you, but I'm okay, just saying a guy, let's got use a that as a. 1966 C20, <laughs> and he wants to do some type of an engine swap. Right, where where does that, uh, some Where's guy like that, come in? Some random dude <laughs> yeah, off some the street, rando. Right? And the truck's totally yeah. rusty and probably right. uh, not redeemable at all. I was, was going to say, first, first things first, you need to make sure that the frame isn't going to disintegrate. <laughs> the frame is history, not history staying. The frame might, I, I talked to this guy, uh, the this guy, guy that we're talking about, uh, this theoretical yeah, guy, uh-huh. and he, he, yeah. insure, he assures <laughs> uh-huh. me that the frame is going to be new. Okay, well, let's let's yeah. pick a different guy yeah, who might actually get his I've product. Heard, I've heard rumors about like bits and pieces just randomly falling <laughs> off of, of certain C20s. You know, every time the yeah. door closes. Uh, it's just it's got air conditioning from the floorboards. Stuff. That's uh, that's accurate. <laughs> it kind of looks like it blows um, up your shorts while you drive. So it's parked under a tree right now. Like a eucalyptus tree. And uh, theoretically. Theoretically. This guy's truck, right. And when the leaves fall on it, you can watch them fall down, and the leaves don't stop when they hit the truck. Yeah, they go straight they to the ground. Straight to the Which truck. is awesome, because you never have to worry about the leaves landing on your great paint job yeah, that you right have. Right through the bed, in the giant gaping <laughs> holes, yes. Uh, okay, so a theoretical so, guy has a mm-hmm. uh, theoretical classic truck mm-hmm. and has a uh, in engine mm-hmm. swap. Let's say it's an LS or a Coyote, for example. That way we mm-hmm. we uh, we include our friends from both sides. Sure. Where does oh, yeah. AEM cool. come in? And not only where do they come in to run things, where do they come through from a uh, instrument panel standpoint? All right. Well, yeah, and that was you know it's funny. I was going to talk about. The instrumentation, um, obviously, you know, we, we do some gauges because of the wide band and we've got a, a couple of different gauge lines. But uh, where we, the other place that we've done really well is with our dash displays. But I'm going to go back to that swap. And, uh, you know, for the swap guy with the, you know, with the earlier late 60s, that's a, you know, smog exempt that, that falls outside of emissions. Because, again, we are in California and there is, you know, a little governmental agency called the EPA that's not too keen on, on us. Uh, I know I've heard you guys talk about it quite a bit on the diesel side. And the same thing applies to gas. Is, um, you know, there's been a lot of, um, you know, they're, they've, they've taken a hard look at the, um, at the emissions, you know, altering emissions of vehicles. And that's why we really, really press that, look, we, we make stream legal products, but um, some of our stuff, if your car doesn't, qualify because it's exempt and then it really is only for racing but um the cool thing is we still have solutions for that so for that guy with the c20 that's looking for the ls i mean once you get past the mechanical stuff obviously uh it's a popular swap so you're going to want to get the right engine mount set up so you get the right angles and you're going to have mounting plates to deal with and transmission adapters and you go auto or you go in manual uh, why you would do a six-speed Tramic, I have no idea how I would do it. Uh, <laughs> you got to find good the headers that fit 
You're gonna find that you know the the cross member from trans. Lawson actually has better taste in transmissions than he does podcasts. Yeah, <laughs> that's clear. Yes. <laughs> and uh, you know, so you got the you know you got custom drive shaft length. You got you have the right brakes. You can have what kind of suspension. You see, you have to factor all of that out. But ultimately, at the end of the day, then you got to run the thing. So you're looking at fueling. Um, you know, this is an old truck. It's carbureted. It's not going to have the fuel system. You're going to need to address, uh, you know, having a pump. Um, is the pump going to be in tank? Can you get a tank that's aftermarket, which you probably can, that has, uh, you know, an internal, you know, an in-tank pump design? Um, if not, are you going to run like a, you know, like an 044 style? Like we make a 400 liter per hour light. Uh, inline pump that's the size of a, of a typical 044. You're going to need to filter that. You're going to need to, you know, run the fueling. Are you going to make it a, a closed loop system or open loop? So you got to factor all that stuff in, but then you've got to control the engine. And what I'll tell you is if you're doing some mild stuff, keep the stock computer. It's a great solution. It's designed to run the engine. Well, that's no fun, dude. <laughs> what well, are you doing? Yeah. Okay. All so right, it's not a stock engine. Say, it's got uh, giant turbos on it that are so big they stick through the hood, and uh, it okay. has an unwieldy amount of uh, horsepower and torque, and Great. it and needs talking, help. And we're talking and, and completely streetable and legal. Yes. We have an <laughs> sure. adapter harness. So we make an overlay harness. Uh, we call it an overlay. It's kind of like a plug-and-play style harness that adapts to our infinity engine management system. And we make two iterations of that. We call it the series five and the series seven, but the series five is perfectly capable of running an LS. We even make a series three, but that one is like really stripped down. It has no data acquisition. And, uh, it doesn't like if you buy a later model LS with drive by wire, it doesn't have drive by wire built into it where the series five and series seven do. Um, and we have base calibrations. I mean, on the racing side, uh, you know, we've run quite a few really, really fast uh, uh, drag Camaros. We've got a bunch of small tire guys in the southeast, and, and we also are the uh, ECU of choice for the Trans Am uh, TA2 series. So we run all the LSs, the Hemis, and the Ford Motors in that racing series, and those all run a Series 5 Infinity ECU. And they do it for that reason. Uh, we can run it reliably. Reliably gives you flexibility. Uh, you know, again, on 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 this theoretical application that we're talking about, <laughs> we've got a harness that you, you literally take the factory wiring harness off, lay our engine harness in. It plugs into ninety nine percent of the factory stuff. You add the map sensor. Um, and you maybe add some ancillary stuff because we give you an auxiliary port. Uh, we have on, on the series five, we have one internal Lambda. So you can either put that at the collector, or if you want to run two banks of air fuel ratio, you add one of our external like X series inlines and run one off of each bank. And you can actually control that and do closed loop feedback. So again, that's where you target and say, I want, you know, at this given RPM and load, and, and whatever parameters, you know, I, I'm uh, parameters, I'm parameters, sir. Yeah. yeah, come on out. <laughs> Here we go, stomping. Oh, I love that. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. Just keep bringing it. Um, you know, you get all, you work on that, and you say, "Look, I want, I want to target twelve and a half to one." 
and you set that and the computer will literally take, uh, you know, basically work to achieve that desired air fuel ratio. And then what's really cool is you can go back into the mapping and it'll highlight those cells in your target and allow you to see where you need to make adjustments um, in, in, in your, well, what we call, it's a VE based or volumetric efficiency based mapping. So this is where you make adjustments to that VE table. And then once you've really set that VE table, that's where all the fun stuff starts. Now you can go in, you can do timing, you can play with boost, you can blend fuels, you can do dual fuels, you can, uh, there's so much you can do um, to really optimize like a crazy setup like that. And, and again, it's, it's kind of in a plug and play package with a, with a base calibration that you can, you can start with. And, and what's really, really cool is because the infinity has a CAN bus output. So, you know, for, for guys that aren't familiar with CAN bus, it's controller area network It was developed by Bosch. Oh man, don't quote me on the exact time, but I want to say this was, you know, nineties ish, early to mid nineties. And then it started to get adopted and, um, by 2008, it became the standard protocol for like onboard diagnostics. Everything was transmitted via CAN bus uh, to the onboard diagnostic port. But CAN bus is a way to take a whole bunch of data and send it over just a couple of wires. And, and so you can literally have hundreds of channels of data and they all have these little codes and these codes run up and down this network and that's how these devices are able to talk to each other without um, adding just huge amounts of complex wiring and stuff and our infinity has the ability to do that what's really cool is our digital dash displays have the ability to receive can bus but not just from our standalones like from anything if you have a you know if you want to add a few channels of data we have a can bus uh, we have we have like CAN bus converters where you can wire in some pressures and temps and run, you know, anywhere from six to 40 different channels over two wires from this one module into the dash display. Or you, if you have a standalone EC already, it's not ours. If you, if you're a Holly guy or if you're a Edelbrock guy or, or whatever you, whatever you have already, um, if it has output on CAN, then we can read that data. Whatever it spits out, you have the ability to program it into your display and see it in real time as much or as little as you want. Uh, we spread it across a bunch of pages. You can log it. So, And by the way, you guys uh, have a, a really high-definition, super bright digital display, what you're talking about, that's available e- whether it's in its own housing or as a flat panel, right? So you can actually French it into the dash of whatever your custom truck is and make that your whole information center right there in front of you. You can flush it in. It's, yeah, the flush ones are really cool because you can literally build a custom enclosure around it, and it looks. You can make it look super OE, and then you control your pages and, and your your clearing values with remote buttons. You can mount wherever the hell you want. It's, it's really cool looking. I've seen some amazing examples, um, like guys that are re- have replicated like old school displays because again, it's fully like you said, it's, it's super bright LED high high definition, high contrast. And if you have some design skills, like I've seen guys make them look like old Volkswagen bus or beetle gauges and put them behind stock bezels, and you have to do a double take to realize it's digital. Like that's it, it looks, that's cool. That's cool. So what it, yeah, what sizes? Really, so I see you've got uh, looks like a few seven inches, a five, five inch, inch yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then we, we have iterations. So the main ones is we, make, we have a 7-inch and a 5-inch diagonal screen. And we uh, and then we have a couple of different enclosures. We have that flat panel, and that's you know with exposed RPM shift lights at the top, and just a really sleek profile that's tight around it. And then we also have a more race-inspired one that's got a shade hood with recessed uh, shifter LED, you know, shifter or shift LEDs or RPM LEDs. And then it's got two buttons, one on each side, so one will allow you to change pages and toggle between the multiple pages. And the other one will clear values because we have we have some cool features that you can add, like not even add that are just built into it, um, like zero to sixty, like timing stuff. So if you want to do zero to sixty or quarter mile, or if you're a half mile racer, things like that, and also things like four wheel drive system too, where you can show the mm-hmm. status of the transfer case. And and let's not forget because I know we have a ton of listeners who have side by sides. You guys have adapter yeah. kits for Canon Maverick X3s, Say Polaris what? Razors, Yamaha yeah, YXEs. Razor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, YXE, all of that. And it's super easy because we make an adapter harness, so it plugs into the diagnostic port on the side-by-side, and it connects to the back, and you're good to go. I mean, anything coming in, coming out of that diagnostics port, you're automatically going to see on the dash because we've already done the layouts for you. So we usually make the one that looks kind of stock, uh, that looks sort of stock, like the stock display, only, you know, fully digital and really vibrant. And uh, and then we have some other pages. So we have like adventure layouts where you'll have a live compass. So if you have our GPS, uh, if you buy one of our dashes with integrated GPS, uh, it'll give you altitude and heading and a live compass direction as you're driving around. It's pretty cool. But and, I, I don't um, get it, Lawson. Why, why, like, there's, I don't understand why there's a market for this, for your product, because in those side-by-sides, the factory dashes give you so much information. And they're so clear. They're, oh, wait. <laughs> or it's, or it's not like LED, it's LCD. <laughs> I seriously yeah. think blind people do some of these dashboards. It's crazy. Not, nothing against blind check, people. Check this out, though. Uh, yeah. On the adapter harnesses, cereal to can. Uh, Holly yep. EFI MSD Atomic TBI adapter harness. Uh, you can mm-hmm. do uh, AEM net CAN bus extension cables, power cables for non AEM net devices. So you're making this as modular and as easy for somebody to integrate it into their build as possible. Exactly. I mean, that's really the thing. Is you know one of the one of the really cool things about what we do is you can integrate it into practically anything. One of the challenges is. You can integrate it into practically anything, but that's why we offer. That's why we offer technical support. We don't charge for it. You know, you email our guys or call our tech team, and they're and they're ready to help. And we've even got uh, there's a guy that started a Facebook forum. Uh, his name's Jordan, and it's the CD five CD seven forum, and it's for users, and it's huge. And these guys are amazing. Like they all help each other out, and they have. And, and he did it, I think, because uh, he's a really good designer, and a lot of people want to make that custom display, but maybe they don't have the Photoshop skill set to do it. So um, he'll build people custom layouts for whatever their car is. I love that. I love when there's a cottage really industry cool. of enthusiasts. Oh yeah. Who, without you needing to do anything, make your product even better and more desirable because an aftermarket exists for it. It's like your aftermarket, and then there's an aftermarket for your aftermarket parts. You know that you've kind of struck gold when that happens. It's pretty much when you get pulled over by a police officer who's wearing mirrored sunglasses, 
and then you put on your mirrored sunglasses, right? and then you just stare at each other it's like forever. A, it's like a funhouse of <laughs> police dumb. You're just basically like entranced, you know, with each other forever, and then nobody ever moves. You know, you go, can I, exactly. can I ticket you? He's like, no, I don't think you say it like that. That's oh, you creepy. don't do that. Okay. No, dimensionally hypnotic. Hey, why do you think is it is it? Would you say dimensionally hypnotic? Yeah, they're opening yeah. up at the uh, Palladium. <laughs> no, no, they got canceled. COVID. Oh, yeah, damn it. Yeah. That joke so, still never gets old. Uh, never old. The hey, Rona, man. The Rona. The Rona. The bye hey, The Rona. Why do you think that the OEs, both of cars, trucks, motorcycles, side-by-sides, there's a ton of stuff on the CAN bus, like Boost and Trans Temp mm-hmm. and all these things that you can get in modern vehicles that they do not show you. Is that because... They want you to drive in bliss no, or... lowest common denominator. They do not want to give people too much information. For example, everything's dumbed down. Look at an oil pressure gauge. If you have a car where the oil pressure gauge is normal, mm-hmm. it's just in the nominal zone and doesn't move when you push on the accelerator pedal... It's not a real oil pressure gauge. Sure. Well, they're all softened. We know. Well, right. maybe yeah. some people don't know that, right? The right. gauges are all softened, right? So they don't bounce around. Because, for example, your 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 fuel gauge is sloshing up and right. down constantly, and there's the the float the inside float. that's moving well, and around. I'm fine with the fuel gauge being so being they mellow. soften it. I'm yeah. not fine with the oil pressure being. Well, so it's funny because we I, we had a, a, a competitive product that some guys were calling us about. And said, hey, I installed this thing, and all of a sudden my fuel gauge is going wacky. Do you guys have any input to, on this? And we're like, first, it's not ours, but second. <laughs> <laughs> we do know what happened is that yeah. you, they screwed up a PID, right, a parameter yeah. on the ECM, mm-hmm. and it took off the quote-unquote softening. softening, and all of a sudden they right. were seeing the actual float in their gas tank going yeah. up, down, up, down, up, down. So it's going left, right, left, right on their gauge you know, from yeah. empty to full, and they go, like, something's broken. I go, well, actually, you're really now seeing the fuel and what it's doing, but that's yeah. not what you want well, to see Well, this is what's consumer. cool about the, uh, the digital driver information centers and the digital screens on a lot of new vehicles. For, for example... On my new JL, is it basically has tack and it has speedo as mechanical gauges, right? Which are mm-hmm. obviously not mechanical looking, but they're all digitally controlled. And then it has a screen in between, and the screen has the temperature in a bar graph and the fuel gauge in a bar graph. And that's it. However, I can scroll to additional screens that will tell me trans temp and sure. actual engine temp, but it has a real oil pressure gauge that actually moves. When I push on the accelerator, as it should, as it should, which right. is cool. So I like the idea that you have the lowest common denominator of the four gauges. Actually, really three is all you need is is you know speedo fuel and 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 uh, you know, engine temp. But then you can go if you're a more advanced driver user or want to geek out on some additional data on your engine. At least you can go. Well, the AEM stuff even takes that to the next level. So if a guy is building his dream truck or whatever and and uses their Infinity system in their display. You can nerd out on all sorts of uh, <clears throat> parameters. Oh, I wasn't, oh, yeah. I wasn't yeah. prepared for you to say that. <laughs> so here's one I've been thinking of, and I actually wanted to do this on, uh, I, I'm sh- I, I know you know, Sean, uh, Lightning, you probably heard of Stefan Papadakis before. Sure, yeah, right down the street in Carson, yeah. California. Yes, he makes the big, uh, exactly. a lot of the drift car engines, right? Uh, he has, you know, as a drift team, he's got a, he's been doing Toyotas for a while and he was our, that's, we've known Steph, we sponsored his car back in 98, 99, the, yeah, 99, the, the first front wheel drive, like two frame hatch Honda Civic. And, um, he was our crew chief and driver when we brought the race team in house. Long story short, um, you know, he, they, can, they can I, can a, I pause you? Wait, wait, can I pause yeah, you for ahead. a second? 
Yes. I yeah. called him and said, hey, I'd, I'd love to hook you guys up with some instrumentation. And he says to me, this is about two months ago, uh-huh. he says, yeah, I'm pretty tight with AEM. And I said, all right, well, you're nice, thanks. And I hung <laughs> up and left with my what? tail between my legs. What are you doing trying to undermine Lawson and all the work, all the good work you he's put don't, in? You don't know until you call. All right. You know, I wasn't hey, seeing it. Do your job. I'm just saying, I was after him. I will show that he is. He this going to be the marketing guy battle right it's here? It's not. It's not. Okay. He did inspire us to to reach out to Mimo Technic, which I want to interview uh-huh. on the show. And Mimo Technic is also in Carson next to Papadakis. And no, mm-hmm. it's not Papadakis. It's Papadakis. Papadakis. I say Papadakis yeah. because that's uh, uh, our band or no, our radio <laughs> friend over at uh, the sports. Station. Yeah, Papadakis anyway. Roach. Yes. Right. No. Uh, no? Not, 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 not that at that? all. Okay. Anyway, this company prints metal, so. I, I saw an episode on his YouTube channel where he printed an intake manifold and out of you know out of out of aluminum and I thought it was fascinating and since then we've also started using that company and they're phenomenal. Um, you know, going back to it, we created an OBD2 adapter. So any 2008 and up, you can plug that in the, uh, that adapter and plug it into the dash and whatever is coming out of the OBD2, you can now put it on the display. So it's a great way for the you know for the track day guy or somebody like that to be able to get that usable data that's coming through and then maybe add a small can module for some pressures and temps that they want to add. And I, so I got to thinking, I'm like, I wonder what the diesel stuff spits out. So I went over and pulled the F-350 and grabbed that data and came back and started looking at it. I was like, well, there's some really cool usable stuff here. And if you just added, we make an eight-channel uh, K-type thermocouple, which is great for EGTs. And I was thinking, you know, I got to talk to Steph and who get one of his guys to drop the eight, you know, just stick a stick a thermocouple in every exhaust, and uh, and he could monitor individual EGTs along with the OBD two stuff, and then we could add, you know, whatever else he wanted to do. But for the diesel guy, the cool thing is the five inch. I mean, you're in a you're in a diesel. You've got all this area. We make an adapter, uh, like a ram mount style adapter and a cigarette style 12 volt. You could have damn near like a portable little data information center that you could take in and out of your truck and wire it in and be able to like, if you're doing a lot of towing or hauling and doing grades and things like that, you want to be able to check EGTs. You could have all that data in real time on like just one page of the display. And when you're cruising, maybe switch it over and have something cool. And like when it fires up, you can do a custom splash screen and have your dog or, you know, your wife, if you like her, and have that like be the lead <laughs> shot that opens up. So, um, well, you, you want a picture anyway, of her if she buys you a CRXSI, right? Damn right you do. Exactly, right? Yeah. Or if she lets you get a, you know, custom AEV set up on your uh, new JL. Well, that's true least. too. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I <laughs> or, if, or a six burner Weber, Sandsteel Weber barbecue. Or Weber, or maybe a new, you know, series Land Cruiser. Yeah. Um, what have we wife. done? For, <laughs> what What have you done for your wife lately to make up for her being so good to you and letting you just roam free? No, no, no. no. These financially, are, these are the things that she does because I'm such a great husband. That's <laughs> just yeah. She's paying me back. <laughs> no, I think what I think yeah, what it is. That ain't true. That's not true. Yeah. All right. Well, here's the deal. It's it's. Um, I think she just likes when I leave her alone. To be honest with you. I think that uh, yeah, well, she's... That's, that's true. I, yeah. I'll say because since the COVID, mm-hmm. I've been home a lot since I normally would travel three to four times a month, mm-hmm. and uh, I haven't traveled basically at all since uh, you know February, except for my trip back to Michigan to pick the Jeep up. And she's like, uh, 
really five days? It's not going to be longer than that? <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, I think she's just, she likes her own time. Yeah. And she's like, all right, well, go do the things that you love, and mm-hmm. that keeps you out of my hair. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sean, so it's like my wife, too. She's like, my wife's like, aren't you going to Colorado next week? Can you go earlier? I go, <laughs> why? And she's like, you know, just because. Well, it's like, hey, I tell her, I'm like, hey, Loss is coming over to the house. We're going we're gonna to have some cigars. And she's like, oh, you can't do it over there? <laughs> yeah. No, that's not true. She, she, I, uh, I, I, I had to go to the office today to do some video, and I came home, and my wife looked at me. And she goes, "It's good that you were gone today." Like, you know, <laughs> like, well, like, I, I, I guess that's kind of a good thing, right? Like, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Because yeah, the flip sure. side of that is out of sight, out of mind. That's so exactly right. What it's, 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 it's a double-edged sword. Right. You just you gotta. Right. You know, you got to be like me, where you, uh, where you're able to thread the needle, mm-hmm. and you can uh, make sure that she, you know I provide her with us uh, safety and security, and uh, <laughs> and she provides me with uh, things that you know, being a happy human. I know that she, she has a good job, and I think she's the one that provides you with safety. <laughs> That's and security. also true. She does make a lot more money than me. Yes. She has a, a doctorate from USC, and I don't. <laughs> So, um, yeah, she's uh, quite a bit uh, smarter. Hey, listen, here if, there, if there's nothing that you've learned on the Truck Show podcast after 132 episodes plus a, uh, a metric ton of, uh, of bonuses, mm-hmm. it's that you always marry up. I think we've established that, right? I think so too. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah. I think we both did. If if you're if you're carrying yeah. somebody along, that's that's your fault. Always marry up. <laughs> so back to back to AEM. Okay. So mm-hmm. aemelectronics.com is where everyone is going to go and peruse and then and then uh, cry that they don't have enough money to buy everything on your site. I think that's the thing. Now, we can we can or we cannot buy directly through aemelectronics.com or do we need to go to uh, one of your dealers? You certainly can, but buy from one of our dealers. You're going to get a better price. Uh, we, you know, again, we've, we've got a great uh, distribution network and we've um, got great relationships with specialists. We have an authorized dealer network, and, and um, because we we appreciate that, and we don't want to compete against our customers, we, we do sell a little bit. If you absolutely have to buy from us, we'll sell it to you, but you're going to get the best price. Um, and, and use the dealer network, though. Um, you know, option sites and things like that. I don't think I need to tell you guys can be a a dangerous place. Not that there aren't illegitimate, or there aren't legitimate sellers on there, um, but but your best bet are going to be looking through and, and look through and look for some of our specialists. But we're also in in a lot of popular places. I mean, I don't know anybody that hasn't bought stuff from like Summit or Keystone or, or you know some of those types of uh, distribution places, and and we sell through all the big boys too. Uh, so I would recommend there, but for product information, absolutely come to our website. Uh, if you've still got questions, we welcome them. Shoot us an email. We've got a contact us page. Um, give us a call. We're happy to route you to tech support. One of our tech guys is uh, happy to answer any questions that you have. And, um, obviously we've got social too. So at AEM electronics on Facebook, you, and you mean not the AEM dot electronics that only has like, uh, uh, 200, 300 users go to the at AEM electronics with the, uh, 118,000 followers. That's probably the better. That's one. probably yeah. the better. Yeah. One. yeah. <laughs> hey, um, yeah, that, that would be the one you want to go to. Lawson, tell me about your seminars. You've got a seminars tab on AEM electronics.com. How often do you hold these seminars and are they, uh, for like skilled tuners or what's that about? Yes, 
those are four skilled tuners. So we do we we do the seminars and we we talk about opening them up to the public. But um, again, it's just you know, we're asking people to to take and make the commitment to come out and. and spend a few days with us at our facility going through things, you know, going through our, our various software, whether it's dash design, which, um, you know, or our infinity tuner software. But right now that that's all limited to shops, to, to specialists. Um, that said, we've got AEM power TV on YouTube and we've got a lot of tutorials. So if you want to take a closer look at, some of the features and functions and how our products operate, that's a good place. We're, we're constantly ramping up the content and adding to that. And uh, we, we very much appreciate the comments and the feedback because that helps provide us with direction on what people really want to be seeing and learning about. And we can prioritize that accordingly. So if I've got a garage project, going back to uh, the dude with the, with the Chevy C20 that's trying to do the LS1, mm-hmm. right? How do I yeah, know yeah. in advance? Because I don't want to be, or that guy doesn't want to be, where he gets into a, a, an issue where that truck just sits in his garage for years because it becomes an unwieldy project, right? So how do I know in advance whether I can or cannot tackle um, installing, whether it's the ECM or it's the you know digital dashes? No, that's, that's a completely legitimate question, and here's my answer. I wouldn't install one of our standalones. I, if, if you've got to ask that question, you probably want to be talking to somebody who does it often and has an intimate knowledge of those unspoken things that you don't see from the YouTube guys that go in and make it look like magic and like nothing ever goes wrong and there aren't ever any obstacles to overcome because it is, it's a complicated process and it's intricate and you're marrying you know, standalone engine management to an, to a, to an engine and you've got to get those connections right. And then you've got to be able to, to kind of go through the diagnostics and you have to go through the setup and, and, and we make a manual and you're adept enough. You can read that manual. That manual will teach you how to do it. Uh, if you have an engineering degree, you have a, a double E degree, you have sound um, knowledge in internal combustion engine uh, technology um, and how they operate, then you can probably pull it off. But, um, you know, there's, there's, <laughs> uh, I would install a gauge. I have no problem installing our dash. Uh, I would even install a fuel pump, things like that. But when you, when you get into some of the higher tech, I mean, it's, you're talking about a, an engine management system and in the wrong hands, you're going to blow something up. So let's say, Lawson, that my, my truck is in a fab shop because there's a million fab shop mm-hmm. guys that can weld and cut and they're amazing yeah. skilled guys out there. But when it comes to electronics, it's a different beast. But my truck, say it's it's being taken care of. I'm really happy with the work being done. But they're like, all right, mm-hmm. it's time for the – we drop the engine in and we're like – we're great at everything and, and not every shop is great at everything. There might be some really phenomenal fabricators that just don't know jack – about the electronic side, how do I navigate through that? And how do I take my truck from that shop, rip it out of their hands and give it to some tuner to finish it? Like, cause I'm, I'm sure you see Lightning. this quite often. Lightning. It, it's your truck, man. <laughs> no, but like I, I get it, but nah, but you know, like, no, 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 no. Hold on, a second. Like, that it doesn't work that <laughs> no, way, Lawson. Like the reality no, is, you got the guy, to... owner of the shop, God, telling you got him all fired up. Listen to him. So if that owner of that C twenty uh, doesn't agree with 
electronics path that is being chosen for them? Because, you know, I, I saw it happen. Uh, you know, I'll give you a perfect example. We're working with a guy. He's got, uh, he's got this badass 60 Camaro. He done, did a ton of tub work. He's running these big fat meats in it. It's got a, it's got a cage. He's basically turning, you know, getting ready for pro mod and an LS one swap. Uh, it's, you know, probably 450 at the wheel. Gorgeous car. Um, custom stuff. He's like putting a bunch of stereo in it and everything. And, and, not really my jam, but totally his, but he, we've been talking with him about display and, um, we get a ton of questions from guys exactly like that hot rod guys and stuff because they, they love the dash and they kind of get that they need to get data through the module, but they don't really know how. And I said, okay, it's time to do a soup to nuts. Like we're going to literally rack this thing and show them what sensors and kind of how we're going to install the sensors and how they come into this module and then how all these 20 some channels come into this module and then go to the dash over these two wires and, and how you configure all of that. And the hang up that he had was the fab shop that did a really nice job on fabrication was insistent on the electrical stuff. And he is now at a different shop having all the electrical redone. So, um, what I got to say is, is, you know, like anything, uh, it's caveat emptor, right? Let the buyer beware. If, if you don't like what they're suggesting to you, if you don't, um, if they don't have a, a lot of good fabricators know their limitations and they're not afraid to say, okay, when we're done, this is who I recommend to do this kind of work. And, you know, again, we deal in racing. So a lot of times those are one and the same, but, but racing shops and, and obviously, you know, custom fab and hot rod shops are, um, you know, they aren't always, aren't always the same. And, um, you know, I would recommend do that research and find it. And if they're running stuff, you know, the guy's saying, Hey, look, I want you to run a Holly and we tune Holly and we're, we're, well-versed in that and we've gone to their training um then if you're comfortable with using that product use it but if you're not um you know using infinity go on our website and click on the infinity infinity factory train tuners and there's going to be a list of guys that have been to our facility and gone to our seminars that we said yes these dudes get it they understand engines they've been through training with us and they have uh you know, and they have a fast track to our support. So if anything happens, they can get a hold of us right away and we can make sure that you're not spending extra downtime uh, waiting for your car to get done. And and that's what I would recommend is, is in all seriousness, man, <laughs> just be ready to strap on the sack and get the trailer and go get it and take it where you want it to be <laughs> I'm pretty much sure that that's, you can't get any stronger advice than that. All right, well, Lawson Mollica from AEM. You guys, if there's anything you need electronically for your car, your truck, ECU, gauges, your a dash, motorcycle, your can, side-by-side. What do you do? Uh, I mean, it sounds like, uh, oh, water meth. That too. I mean, if uh, if you've got a need, head over to uh, to AEM and uh, check it out. Again, that's uh, at AEM Electronics on, uh, on the social. And then, uh, Lawson, you said you had a, a good YouTube page with tutorials. Was that also at AEM? Uh, electronics. Oh uh, yeah, AEM Power TV on okay. on the YouTube. And uh, yeah, YouTube. check us out there. We've got we've got yeah on the YouTube. We've got some uh, some cool videos, but but again, a lot of uh, you know product related stuff and, and tutorials and things that'll help you um, if you have a question. Or you could be like me and just go over to Lawson's house and ask him questions in person. Uh, but he does take uh, cigars in payment. 
and they can't That's be right. crappy cigars. It's not like any Swisher Sweets or Backwoods. It's actually got to be like like good fifteen twenty dollars sticks. Don't don't talk yeah, to him with any less. Yeah, you're gonna have David to... Austin Camachos, man. Yeah, he's the he's uh, a little bit yeah, of a none, none of those none of those backwoods. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Holman, you're gonna have to really bring uh, some nice stuff over because you're gonna have to butter them up for all the electronics. You're gonna need for that uh, silver SI. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. Especially after we put the turbo on uh, it and all that, right? <laughs> uh, we we get really stupid with that thing. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's it's. <laughs> if I didn't, if I quote unquote, if I didn't need a roof. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Lawson. Thank you so much. All right, brother. Talk to you soon. And uh, hey. cigars this week. Yeah, yeah, cigars this week. Tell, yes. tell your big one. Happy belated. And I got something for. And the extreme is back. So uh, let's go blow up some clays. All right, I'm ready. I don't even know what he just said. Uh, we uh, we go clay shooting on the weekends, oh, okay. sporting clays. And, uh, I was about to play. That's what she said. But it well, did, it, yeah. yeah, it's a shotgun, so it actually probably does work. <laughs> okay, good. All right, on that note, we're, we're uh, going to get out before Lightning gets us in trouble with HR again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to you soon. And All thanks right. for hey, listening. Thanks so much, <laughs> All right, All right. Thank see you. Thanks, bye. guys. I really bye. appreciate it. Take care. All right, Home Slice, I think it is time for some truck news. What's new trucks? What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. Lifted, lowered, and everything in between. What's happening in the world of trucks? Oh, I like how sharp mm, that one. No, I, no I was feeling good about that I one. I didn't feel very really? good about that. Yeah, just, Why so? I think there's a lingering. There was no lingering. It was sharp. It was like sharp cheddar. It was just like... The, the end was sharp. Yeah. The middle was muddled. How could you tell it was so brief? I could tell. It just did. I felt it in my soul. Really? I feel like it was just... Uh, it, was, it was powerful. There was a great thrust in the middle and it just went... That's what she said. Uh, hey, have you that cable over there? This one I think you're talking about here. Tell me when you're in. All right. Easy. <laughs> yeah. All right, here we go. You now have control of the audio. Wow, what what are we listening to? Just just listen. Oh, wait a minute. Did I hear supercharger wine? Yeah, I'm hearing supercharger wine. Any guesses? Oh wait a minute! Wait, don't 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 tell me that this is the new Ram. Don't tell me this is the new TRX. Okay, I won't tell you. Oh, is it really? Nope. What is it then? Nope. What do you think? It's the new TRX. It's the Ram. It's, it's the not. Hemi. It's not. What is it? Same company, same engine. Hmm. Ah, uh, it's the. Uh, oh, it's the the Trackhawk. Close. What you're hearing is the potentially one-year-only, question mark, question mark, question mark, 2021 Dodge Durango SRT Hellcat. Oh, my God. That can tow a staggering 8,700 pounds, <laughs> run through the quarter mile in just 11.5 seconds, which has been NHRA certified, and will run from a standstill to 60 miles an hour in 3.5 seconds on the way to a top speed of 180 miles an hour, <laughs> I believe it's the fastest three-row, seven-passenger SUV on the planet. Under the hood is the infamous 6.2-liter Hellcat V8, as you may have guessed, fitted with a massive 2.38-liter twin-screw supercharger 
which produces 11.6 PSI of boost, pumping out in this Durango configuration 700, 10 horsepower, and 645 pound-feet of torque. That's so sweet. Uh, cast iron block, forged steel crankshaft, forged aluminum pistons, powder forged connecting rods, piston cooling jets, water jackets between the cylinders, and a specially tuned crankshaft damper and more make this mill possible. And that's not it, because if you go fast, you got to stop fast. The new Durango. Let me guess, 16-inch rotors. Massive Brembo bricks reside at each corner. The front rotors measure out at 15.75 inches. That was close. You were. And the rears, 13.8. The suspension has also been retuned specifically to the Hellcat. I love how the uh, the rear rotors are as big as Honda wheels. Right, right, (laughs) yeah. No, I mean, no kidding. Uh, of course, you'll be able to have a bunch of different drive modes like snow, tow, <laughs> eco, yeah, right, what? and uh, valet modes, uh, and the vehicle will be uh, fitted with launch control, launch assist. Um, yeah, you do not want the valet having access no, to even yeah. a third of that power. You don't hand them the red key. So if you're no. familiar with the, the Hellcat, the red key is the fun key. Um, so anyway- uh, Do we have pricing on that? Uh, pricing isn't available yet, but it should be arriving- uh, It's got to be 100, 110, right? No, no, they're usually pretty well priced. I mean, if you uh, base track hawk, which I believe this was the last year of it on uh, the Grand Cherokee, was somewhere around eighty-five. So I'd say probably ninety. You know, so uh, you'll fully... be able to option it up above okay, that, no okay. problem. But but you can get into that performance for well under hundred k, which is a screaming deal. You could be next to one on the highway and not even realize what you're sitting next to. I mean, oh, granted, yeah. you've got the badge, but I, I think most people who will get those will not. Like, they have no idea. No, no. Until it absolutely spanks you at the stoplight. Yeah. Not that we're condoning that. Yes, we are. Um, <laughs> yes, we, yes, we are. Did you hear? Uh, no, not this time. Uh, Jeep confirmed the 3.0 liter Eco Diesel Gladiator for 2021. I believe you can order it now. Wait a minute. I, I thought that was already a thing. Uh, it's official now. I thought it was official months ago. Uh, well, now it's official, official. When we spoke to Chief Milo at Jeep, he's like, it's happening. So I don't know. Uh, did he say it was happening? I think he was coy on the particular topic. Oh, was he? Maybe yeah. it's just that I thought I knew I it think, was happening. Yeah, I think you just talked to me a lot. I said, oh, maybe so. So it'll come with 260 horsepower and a uh, really nice 442 pound-feet of torque. Okay. Yeah. Strong. Stout. Yeah. Um, I think- Should uh, be a great drive. I, I hmm. think we're driving them uh, in a couple of months, so hopefully I'll get some drive impressions and we can do a, a truck review on it. But it's the same. You've driven the JL, which you liked, although you weren't sure you would pay the extra yeah. cash to get yourself uh, one. Business case of being able to afford it and mo- money aside, driving dynamics were are spectacular on the Eco Diesel Wrangler. Love it. So I can only imagine it's that much better in the uh, Gladiator. You're going to need the torque to because everyone's going to turn 40s on the on the uh, the Gladiator. They're right? already doing it. They're doing yeah. it with the V6. No, so. I know they are, yeah. but like the extra torque is really what you want when you're oh, turning for big, sure. big, you know, mutter tires. Yeah, absolutely. And this coming over the wire from uh, GMAuthority.com. Apparently, uh, certain models of the 2020 Silverado High Country get a transmission downgrade. Wait, what? So if you uh, are familiar with the 8-speed, which was not a loved transmission. No. Uh, <laughs> that was the one that there was uh, almost lawsuits about, right? Not yeah. almost. There, there were. were. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. a class action. Uh, and, and everybody was pretty stoked because uh, the GM trucks ha- came out with the 10-speed, and unless you're on a uh, value model, replaced most of the uh, transmissions with the 10-speed. Well, apparently for 2020, because there is a production constraint on the 10-speed, certain models of the high-end uh, high country, I believe it's uh, the 4x4 uh, crew cab short beds, mm-hmm. and also the two-wheel drive crew cab short beds with the 5.3 liter V8 
will be given the 8-speed instead of the 10-speed. Wow, you're getting gypped. Yeah, a little bit. So as of uh, July 2020, it's the uh, the crew cab short bed, 5.3-liter V8, four-wheel drive, is uh, is going to be 8-speed equipped, which if I'm spending money on that truck, not going to be super happy that I'm getting the 8-speed. No, I no, wait a minute. So, all right, so you said a July date. That means I need to get one that's made before July. Made before July. Ah, interesting. So it'll uh, be interesting to see uh, uh, what GM has to say for themselves. Do you think it really is a supply issue? They just can't make the darn uh, 10 speeds faster? Yeah, I mean, that must tell you that a lot of these vehicles are selling really well for them. But you also have to remember the SUVs are coming online, and they also have the 10 speeds. So wow. I can imagine that there's probably some shifting going on. But See what you uh, did there? You like that? In a 10 speed. Yeah, you like yeah, that? Right, there should be a pun sound that we uh, do. Is no, it a pun I'll, sound? I'll just do a... Thank there you. you go. I'll be here all day. Um, also, did you hear about... Uh, no. No? I didn't. You didn't hear? No. Uh, that you might suffer from Stellantis. Is that like a stalactite? Uh, nope. Or stalagmite? Nope. Which is the one that hangs from the ceiling? Uh, up with the mites, down with the tights. Okay. Is how we remembered it as kids. Gotcha. Um, no, Stellantis. Stellantis is where uh, Aquaman is from. Uh, n- I don't think so. No. Stellantis is rooted in the Latin verb stello. Oh, I know what st- Stellantis is. Yes. It's that uh, it's that theme park in the middle of the ocean that Oprah sent all those people to. Nope. Still, it's not, still it's not, not Stellantis. that one either. Okay. Uh, Stellantis is rooted in the Latin verb stello, meaning to brighten with stars. It draws inspiration from this new and ambitious alignment of storied automotive brands and strong company cultures that are coming together to create one of the new leaders of the next era of mobility. That's right, everybody. Ooh, let, me, let me guess. Ferrari and Honda. The merger <laughs> of FCA yeah. and Peugeot. Say what? The new company is going to be called Stellantis, which is really lame. That's awful. It is awful. It sounds like one of those spell commercials, it. those drug Spe- commercials. Yeah, spell it for me. If you're balding and also have a leg falling off, you might need Stellantis. <laughs> yeah, it is. S-T-E-L-L-A-N-T-I-S. Remember we'll, that. And we'll, ask for your doctor. Stellantis. Yeah, because it's going to cause uh, what loose bowel syndrome. Or what <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> OBS? Something like that. IBS? IBS. Now, OBS is a Ford. <laughs> I don't think you solve that with Stellantis, although the Ram guys might disagree. Uh, anyway, new global company. Uh, the people who dislike change are likely to hate the name. But we're told that uh, all the brands you love, Dodge, Ram, Jeep, and Chrysler, will continue on as is. Yeah, I mean, here, look, stateside, Peugeot is not a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you might. I mean, they're merging because Peugeot has small car technology, and and uh, you know FCA has uh, uh, commercial truck capacity and technology, and and they have bicycles. And I think they, uh, <laughs> I think they're going to be the fourth largest uh, automotive company. Does anyone here know them for anything other than bicycles? Nobody knows them as Stellantis. Yeah, that's damn, <laughs> that's damn true. Peugeot bicycles. Yeah. Oh, and we've talked about my grandfather having yeah, an Peugeot guy. Over gra- yeah, yeah. Isn't it wild? So I, I sh- did you hear me? I just said, isn't that wild? There's nothing wild about <laughs> what, that statement. What? No. They're- Literally. Yeah. Not How about novel. some happy GM news? How about that? Uh, no, I prefer st- more Stellantis talk. Uh, these 2021. <laughs> uh, Chevy Silverado is going to be modified by SVE and uh, come as the Yanko SC with 800 supercharged horsepower. I want the Stellantis Yanko. Um, they will make 50 examples. They're just made up words. Yeah, now. you're just you're just talking. Uh, three year, thirty six thousand mile warranty, and uh, it includes all sorts of stuff. Mostly uh, the three hundred five with tires are pretty impressive on the twenty two inch lightweight wheels. Uh, front brakes, sixteen point one Duralife rotors. 
That's a uh, 16.1 inch. That's a big ass. Big. Uh, Is Yinko still like a, 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 an important well, name? Well, they were, you know, for Camaro and stuff, right? Yanko Camaro. And I believe SVE owns the trademark to it or is licensing it. And they've done some uh, upgraded trucks and stuff before and some upgraded vehicles. So um, they didn't announce pricing, but you'll probably spend, I don't know, 90, 100 grand, something like that. So mm. anyway, uh, apparently you can order it through your local Chevy dealer. Really? That's what I'm told. Uh, those who like travel trailers, uh, you know, Airstream, very expensive and very exclusive, very cool uh, trailers. Very round. They they uh, have a less round version called the Base Camp. I don't know if you are familiar with the Base Camp. Well, that's dumb. <laughs> it's their entry-level uh, single-axle trailer. They're known for their, their- Well, this is their adventure trailer. Okay. And so um, it, it's a small, you know, little guy. And now for 2021, uh, they added a longer model. So <laughs> okay, uh, the bigger base camp uh, is going to be available in the 20 and the 20X. The uh, X package variant is a longer, taller, and wider version of the original base camp, which will be known as the base camp 16. So in 16X, obviously 16 foot and 20 foot. Uh, Airstream's best-selling travel trailer was originally launched in 2007 and redesigned in 2016. Still has that shiny uh, aluminum aesthetic that everybody loves uh, with Airstream. So you can still be the talk of your uh, campsite. But it's designed to be smaller, lighter, and higher off the ground and uh, made of the same riveted aluminum as uh, Airstream's other travel trailers, but a little bit different shape than the iconic Bullet. And uh, it's a great option for somebody who wants to go a little bit further in the backcountry and doesn't want to take their big old beautiful uh, Airstream Panamera. (laughs) Is that what it's called? The Panamera? That's the big one. It is? Yeah. What do those things go for? hundred grand? Oh, yeah. Easy. Who buys nice. those and why? Is it just P- a rich, hey, rich it's, people? It's a hey, look at me, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'd buy one. So if I, I th- have to rock a travel trailer. Do you think it's that not those- gonna, it's not going to be uh, something from the El Monte RV Center that got sold as secondhand? I'm I'm going all in. Do you think that people buy that trailer, park it in a you know a very obvious spot, conspicuous, conspicuous spot, and then head right over to the nearest five star hotel to stay? No, absolutely not. Oh, you think they actually stay in them? Yeah. Okay. Why wouldn't you? They're nice because it's just a big hey, look at me. By the way, the base camp's twenty starts at uh, forty five thousand nine hundred dollars. Mm, ouch! And the twenty X starts at forty eight thousand nine hundred dollars. I'm gonna get myself a that used weekend warrior for eleven grand. Are you? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying I'm gonna I'm gonna go budget style. Uh, our uh, friends over at ARB just released a uh, awesome new racking system called the Base Rack, which stands for Build, Attach, Set, and Explore. For trucks and SUVs, I'm going to try and get them on the podcast to uh, talk to us about it. But if you're uh, interested in really uh, modular and clean rack setups, head over to uh, ARBUSA.com and, and check out their new all-aluminum base rack. And one last uh, product that I think we should probably try and get these guys on the podcast, uh, Marlin Crawler, who are known for being hardcore uh, Toyota guys, um, just came out with a long-travel IFS kit that's KOH-tested for rock crawling for your Tacoma. Oh. So super hardcore IFS, and it's kind of interesting because they announced at the same time Bronco announced that they're coming out with an IFS Wrangler competitor. So I think it's kind of interesting that uh, if you're into that sort of thing, the, the obviously the uh, Tacoma guys have- Hardcore. Yeah, right? And this takes it uh, up to a, a whole other level. It's called the uh, RCLT, Rock Crawling Long Travel. And uh, Do we know how long it is? I mean, is it like a uh, six over like or like way long travel? The, I mean, the yeah, upper, it's, it's, upper and lowers? Yeah, it's, it's five and a half inches over, 2.75 per side. It includes a high-clearance, heavy-duty lower control arms. They push the knuckles forward uh, two inches in order to move that axle center line forward. And it adds ground clearance with tire-to-body mount clearance and improved approach angle. 
The system has the benefit of a solid axle swap with and forward moved axle and the benefits of long travel IFS with an increased wheel travel at the hub. And since the system uses really bitchin' RCV shafts, uh, allowing up to a 40-inch tire, which is really big for an IFS setup, yeah, yeah. Uh, keeps the differential mounted high and out of the way so ground clearance is maximized into the front of the truck. And the system uses heavy-duty upper and lower box and internally gusseted control arms and a heavy-duty knuckle made of machined billet. That's pretty solid, right? Do our friends at Camberg have anything like this or no? This this is uh, Camberg is doing a di- it's different, right? Like they're going go fast desert. This is go slow desert with some ability to probably gotcha. go fast depending oh. on your suspension tuning. Okay. Okay. Uh, the system also uses double shear horizontally mounted ball joints which allow for more wheel travel and strengthen a standard ball joint setup. So I think it would be kind of cool to have them on if, yeah. if we can get them on the show and talk about uh, you know, how to make IFS survive. But here's a photo of we it. We don't do Look enough that rock crawling clearance. stuff. Wait, let me uh, get over here. Look at that. That's crazy for a Toyota. Yeah, it almost looks like it has, it's something yeah. with portal axles. That's how much you see at, the, at the center, right? Yeah. Uh, so anyway, let's uh, let's see if we can get them on. I think it would be pretty cool. If you uh, are interested in knowing more, head over to marlincrawler.com. We don't uh, cover enough Toyota products on the show, so that would be good to do, yes. Yeah, no, I've, I've got a couple things lined up in uh, the next uh, month or so if we can get people on that I think uh, will we'll satisfy that uh, or quench that thirst. Or scratch the itch? Scratch the itch. Okay. Uh, it will uh, blow the nose. If, uh, <laughs> no, if you it's will. gross. No, just I like stop and scratch the itch. It will uh, wipe the sweat. Do we have sweat over the topic? It will feed the hunger. Okay, the Toyota hunger. As always, Holman, thanks for the news. Let's get to some email. You email? Yeah, I email. Do it. We email. That's right. Everybody email. Type it up. I missed one. Yeah, you did. Both, uh, we're both kind of sucking on that right there. We were going back and we had a little, uh, you know, ping pong back and forth. Yeah, we had a little, little something, something going on yeah. there. And then uh, I don't know what happened after that. Well, neither of us are talented. And I think we realized that halfway through. <laughs> was that a self-awareness <laughs> moment? Yes. Yeah, it was. <laughs> are you going to hand those email out? Or, uh, you printed a bunch. Uh, are we going to get some? Yeah, let's see here. How about uh, you read this one? Okay, I will start with this one. Haven't read it yet. This is uh, decked. Subject line from Jeremy Poindexter. Have some ideas for the new decked product. First, the short deck. Made for the cargo areas of SUVs. I wanted one bad for my XJ before I sold it, but would still take one for my wife's SUV. Second idea, the goose deck. I like the goose deck. I don't even know what it is. (laughs) I've been wanting a deck system, but I don't want to block the gooseneck in my Super Duty. Oh, interesting. Oh. Would cut down on capacity just a little bit, but I think something would still work if it was split down the middle. I'll be waiting for my royalty checks. Glad I could help Jeremy. A little uh, presumptive there, but uh, thank you, Jeremy. Appreciate that. We'll pass it along to Greg at Decked. A goose deck. A uh, goose deck it is. All right, I got another one here uh, with some more decked ideas. This is from uh, our buddy uh, Trucker Jones. He says, uh, what's up, Lightning and Holman? I want to have a half deck system, so just one drawer. It could even be a little taller than 12 inches that way. That's what she said. Oh, Trucker Jones. He, he knows how to get to us. Yes. Uh, I want to be able to have my dirt bike in the truck with a bed cap on it. I could even throw down a pad and sleep on the drawer under the cap. Keep those parameters mounted. You can't just motor through Our it. buddy Trucker Jones. Yeah. Uh, Bear Lake Excursion from Jeff Brown out of Utah. Lighting and Holman. 
I just heard Colby's proposal go down from Ogden, Utah to Garden City, Bear Lake via dirt roads, and I want to second it. As someone who goes there at least yearly, I would encourage you guys to consider it as one of the best lakes for recreation. And if you don't go, maybe Colby and I could plan our own truck show listener meetup. Okay. I sure. mean, I think so, right? I mean, you guys can do it without us. Or we could go up to, uh, where is it, Bear Lake? Yeah. Yeah, Bear yeah. Lake. Garden City and Bear Lake area. All right. Uh, I don't think we ever did this one from Trevor. And uh, it's our buddy Trevor Nemero writes us all the time. He says, uh, guys, I'm in the market for a new diesel again. I'm looking at fifteen dollars to $20,000. What would you pick? I just want a reliable daily driver, cross-country tower, comfortable machine, and leave it basically stock motor-wise other than an exhaust probably. Yeah, I want it all is what I'm hearing yeah, here. This sure. Is, uh, I mean, unrealistic well, does expectations. A, does he have a year range he's looking for? Well, yeah, he does. But for fifteen to twenty grand, like what, what the heck do you want? Uh, he says... My default is to again go with a GMT 800 because it's what I know, but I'm considering broadening my horizons because my lady thinks the interiors are starting to look dated. I already have two right now. All right, we'll cross that off the list, right? Yeah. You have two. And Why they do, need do look dated. One? But even, it's still one of the best trucks GM made. It is, but they do look dated. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Yeah. If I got a 2015 plus 6.7 power stroke, it would be over 100,000 miles. I'm with you guys being against elites, but what would you guys recommend then not to have a lingering question mark over my head of whether this truck is going to go into limp mode and strand me on a trip? Sure, warranty is nice, but that does nothing on a Sunday in the middle of Barstow at 110 degrees plus. Fair. Yeah. But I, I, all right, next one. How would you guys rate your picks? I pulled with the big diesel shops and the owner's opinion was in this order, a 15 plus 6.7 power stroke or deal on a 11 to 14 with destroyed fuel system and fix it. I think that's probably not a bad idea for okay. the money, right? Sure, yeah. Because you yeah. probably get lower mileage and somebody just didn't want to put ten grand into it. Okay. I think that's possible. An LBZ, which is a great engine as far as Duramaxes go, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's no, a good it, one. It certainly is. Or a but six- the trucks, the trucks that an LBZ is in are going to be beat up from the feet. Yeah. Up. Or a six-liter power stroke. He says, I think Rams are fugly prior to 11, and their interior is way worse than GMT 800s. I'm leaning toward LBZs, but there's some 180,000-mile ones still asking 25K- Sheesh, you should never have sold my first LBZ. Thank you, Trevor. I'm kind of bummed that he doesn't like the Ram because I was going to suggest yeah. a pre-13 Ram. Yeah. You know, I... You and know, I'd stay away from the 6-liter Power Strokes, mm. mostly because they're old. You know, the truck itself is old now. Not that there's anything wrong because you can fix all the issues and they're pretty reliable, but it costs a lot of money to do that, and the ones that already have it done are, are uh, commanding a premium. So I'd stay away from the 6-liter Power Strokes. I w- honestly... Listen, man, I, that's a price range that's hard. Yeah, and I think you get the newest truck you can afford if you're going to be towing and working it, because I think that despite having the question mark over your head about some of the emission stuff, I think the other things on the chassis are probably going to be better it's for a, you. And also the engines, they can, they've they come so far. Yeah. And yes, you can with that price range, you're going to get a pre-emissions truck, but so what? Yeah. Because- the power was so so much less back or a in lot those... of miles, but a lot of those trucks, like I think the Power Strokes duty cycles, like tested to two hundred fifty thousand miles or something like that, and you know maybe it's more than that now. But even if you had something with one hundred eighty thousand miles, if you have service records and it's a lot of highway miles, because fifty is not that long ago, right? So it's probably had a lot of highway miles, I would imagine, and probably not a lot of rough miles. So I don't know if mileage is a problem as long as you have service records. I'm saying make payments, buy something newer. And, right? get the, and, and enjoy the warranty, right? Yeah. Okay, how about this? Get something off lease return 
Right. So you don't get hit on the depreciation. Yep. Three years old. Yeah, three years old. You got to make payments. Seven. I can tell you right now. Way better truck. Guys are turning in the 17 L5Ps, the Duramax yeah. L5Ps, like crazy because they all want the 10-speed trans. Yeah. I'm telling but you. Which is funny because they're the same guys who all hated the design of the new truck. That's and they're true. flocking to they it right now. They are flocking to yeah, it. I'm yeah, I'm seeing them everywhere right now. They, uh, so they're, they're, I think in the next nine months we're going to see a glut of 17s yeah. and then you're going to see the 18s. But I would grab a 17. That's a hella engine right there. It's a nice, uh, it's a nice truck too. And a lot of guys baby them. Yeah, and it's a pretty ugly truck. You don't like it? Oh, pretty pre ugly. ugly. <laughs> oh, I think it's pretty. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, it is a pretty ugly. No, truck. not pretty ugly. Pretty, pretty <laughs> ugly. It's pretty ugly. I like that. Yeah, you and I are both. Uh, no, we're post ugly. No, we're post ugly and getting uglier by the minute. <laughs> I got one more before we uh, wrap up the segment. Rebel tire pressure subject line from uh, Robert. Why are stock Ram Rebel tire pressures so high? Mine from the factory show over forty psi. I'm, it's, it's got to be payload, yeah. right? So, and okay, if you remember- you know, by, by the way, he doesn't have to run 40 PSI. You can run Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're empty 30, or whatever, you can yeah. do a low. You know, even there's a Rams, uh, what, a generation ago, there was a low uh, PSI light or button on the dash you could push, so you could run less than the 80 in the back if you're unloaded. Oh, that's cool. So you don't have to run that pressure. Um, you know, obviously, you're towing and stuff. My understanding is it's the only way they could get respectable payload numbers on the first Rebel. If you remember that DS truck, that generation- um, it was only like gross vehicle weight rating was like 6,900 pounds. Oh, so they were right on the cusp? So they were right on the edge. And the new one is only 7,100 pounds. It's a little bit better, but it's kind of average in the segment. So I think they probably have like the stronger, heavier tires with more air pressure to act that, as is a that buffer. The, the D rated tires? So I don't know if they're C's or D's, but I think they're probably D's if they're above 40. Um, I'd have to look. I've got one right outside and I, I didn't even look. Um, but I think that the key going forward is making sure that Rebel owners replace their tires with the proper uprated and stiffer treads. Um, but I've, I've never heard of any issues with people running lower tire pressure on it. And that tr- but I'll tell you, at proper tire pressure, the truck rides amazing. Like, yeah, it I've just, always been in, impressed with your truck. Yeah, it's just it's unbelievable. You have so. to give that back soon, don't you? Uh, it goes back uh, within the next week, and the new one comes. And the new one is a? Uh, four-wheelers pickup truck of the year winning Jeep Gladiator. Oh, that's so awesome. Rubicon. I've never driven in, in one. Never driven in one. Well, I'm popping the top and the doors, and I'm going to go drive around. I Let's do another trip. <laughs> Should I'd we do a podcast? Sit. Doors and tops off in the Jeep? It would be noisy as hell. <laughs> I know, but that would be funny. That do an episode be, yeah. while driving around. I think, I, hey, I don't this is what we, it's no, like. No, 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 no. We don't do a whole episode. <laughs> we just do like a you know like a, a, a day trip, and then we cut it down to like, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes, something like that. Well, if you've uh, been looking at our buddies over at the Randsburg General Store's pictures lately- We've got some food stuffs we might want to go check oh, out. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you and I, I, I'm worried that you and I might be dropping some LB, so we got to pack it back on. Yeah, absolutely. No, we're not losing weight. It's <laughs> crazy. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys so much for hanging with us on this show. Thanks to Lawson Mullica from AEM. Drop us a line when you can. We'd appreciate it. Truck Show Podcast at gmail.com. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. Oh, oh. And he's at LBC Lighting. I'm at Sean P. Holman, and we are the At Truck Show Podcast. Follow us on the socials. And uh, don't forget to hit us up on email, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. And we want to thank uh, Nissan. We've said it many, many times without whom we would not be here sitting in this uh, dank, hot studio. (laughs) Why is it always so hot in here? I don't know. We have to, before we, in our last studio, we had ants. But we had air conditioning, too. Yes. I'm, I'm not sure. Here we have neither. Do you remember when Wendy came by from yes. Nissan and brought us the case, oh, right? Speaking of wait, Nissan. Wait, wait. No, hold on a second. 
I, we'll get to that in a second. Do you remember when she came by and she's like, wow, this studio is like dank and lame. Yeah, right? she wasn't happy with the... Do you the, think uh, she would be any more impressed with this studio? Oh, 100%. Oh, okay. No, this is a nicer studio. It's just hot. <laughs> this one doesn't have ants, which is kind of nice. Well, that's true, too. Uh, I got an email from our friend Kevin Raftery at uh, Nissan. Yeah? He has the last fruitcake. Oh, really? He sent me a uh, picture of it this week. The last fruitcake from that promotion all from those years ago. From that promotion, yeah. I think this okay. will be year four, so the Titan warranty is still good because it started in 2016. Um, I want to hear from our listeners. 657-205-6105, five-star hotline. Should we eat the last fruitcake? Well, of course they're going to say yes. They want to punish us. I would. <laughs> Do you want to eat the... What was the promotion? It was uh, the only thing that will outlast, outlast the, the warranty, Nissan warranty is, is the fruitcake. Fruit okay. And what's funny is uh, I have to find the uh, the email from him. It's really dark now. Oh, I mean it changed colors? It changed colors. Oh, God, because it was like almost black before. Yeah, if you're a new listener and you haven't uh, you haven't heard the fruitcake episode... Just go back and listen it's one to that of our, one. It's one of our darker moments. It is um, <laughs> awful. It is awful. But I think it, the laughter was contagious. Oh, so, I, I mean, I, I remember crying, but it was awesome because most of our listeners when, were like- Wendy from Nissan, her mascara was smeared oh, with, yeah. with tears. No, it was uh, it was awful. But I'm just saying there's one last opportunity for us to uh, to eat the fruitcake. If, uh, you know, I, I would do it for our listeners. All right, so I'm going to show you a picture. Sure. And I should post this on uh, at Truck Show Podcast. Look how dark the fruitcake is. Now, let me see this. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like a combination of um, – it's a very dark, dark brown with some gunmetal in there. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, something. At one point, was this edible? Yeah, we ate it. Maybe. Yeah. I know. Okay, so it says holiday fruitcake with the Nissan Titan logo on there. It says the one – Food that might last longer than the 2017 Nissan Titans industry-leading five-year, 100,000-mile <laughs> warranty. So I'm just saying that might be your Christmas present this year uh, from Nissan to you or from me to you. I might uh, I might tap out. It says recent Titan buyers will be covered until December 2021. We can't guarantee the same for the fruitcake. So uh, we still have another year and a half until that fruitcake should be eaten. I we have to wait until the end. It's hard. Do you see how heavy that thing looks? Doesn't it just look like a block? I mean, I the thing just looks really. Uh, uh, it's still in a plastic container. But I think at one point in the near future, it will become one with the plastic yeah. container. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So do we eat it before that or after that? No, I think it's got to be after. All right. We have to wait to the bitter end. Well, uh, NissanUSA.com, if, uh, if you want to oh, uh, save us from the fruitcake, go buy a Titan. Maybe that's the next promotion. <laughs> Is that what will happen? If they if they buy a Titan, we won't have to eat that? No. Uh, I, I think so. That's my no. Eat. Here's the thing. Uh-huh. If they do buy a Titan, they get to come down and, and watch And eat it with us. us? No, no. I'm not going to. God, I wouldn't want them to eat it. <laughs> that's a liability waiver. Yeah, they would end up suing us. No. They get to watch. No. <gasps> they get to feed it to us. Ew. Yeah. Ew and like cool and gross. Uh, where would they store our bodies when we were done? In the back of a deck system? <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, they would be uh, well-preserved uh, in that watertight, lockable storage <laughs> solution that is decked. At then. least it'll hold the 2,000 pounds of us on top of it after <laughs> we eat that uh, uh, breaded lead. <laughs> <laughs> breaded lead? What do you think that thing weighs? Like six pounds? I mean, at least. I. It looks pretty heavy. I think it's close to a boat anchor. Do you think it, uh, it gets denser as time goes on? I, I do believe that. <laughs> 
It's super gross. I wish Kevin never would have sent that to me. Anyway, uh, if you want to store your fruitcakes in something other than an <laughs> office drawer in Franklin, Tennessee, head over to decked.com. And uh, Nissan and Deck, thanks so much for putting up with our antics. And you guys will hear us next week on episode 133.